Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Ever wonder where your family comes from? You could discover more about them and learn about your story by combining the Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records. I just got my Ancestry DNA test, and I can't wait to find out the foundation of the LaGreca family. I know very, very little about my family, and I'm really looking forward to finding out the story of the LaGreca name. Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. Ancestry connects you to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic detail and clear-cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journey over time, following how and why your family moved from place to place. And to amplify your results, you can start a free trial on Ancestry and build a tree so your ancestors become more than just a name. It's so easy to get started. Go to Ancestry.com slash podcast today for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. That's Ancestry.com slash podcast for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I recap SmackDown on Fox from Friday night. What was the good and what was the bad? We also talk about your WWE champion Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez, Rey Mysterio, and of course Dominic. And did they do enough to sell you on the crown jewel Thursday night? Also, we get into Finn Balor. He had the moment of the week last week on NXT, and he had some interesting things to say on WWE Backstage on FS1. We get into all that. Plus, speaking of FS1 and WWE Backstage, Booker T had some interesting comments about Becky Lynch now that we're celebrating anniversary one of the man. We do all that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. You said it was an infomercial a bit for Crown Jewel on Friday. Are you up for this match today? Did Brock especially sell you on that match and our interview with Kane last week? Well, anything that Brock does sells me on something, so I think they take a step forward with the physicality. To me, there are a lot, a lot of holes in this whole situation, whole storyline, whole angle, physicality. First, let me ask you this, Dave. We had Kane Velasquez on last week. He was a cool dude. Um, as you said, he was very open to some critiques and some suggestions. And he's like, hey, guys, you're going to create a monster. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to do what I have to do, and I'm going to look the part, act the part, you know, be really physical. Well, Cain Velasquez came out this past Friday on SmackDown. Did you see a different Cain Velasquez than we had seen twice before? Ooh, that's a good one. 
Not really. To me, not really. Pretty much the same. I I didn't think so either. And I I heard Mark. I I don't know if this was. Well, this was Mark on Saturday. Okay. With Ryan McKinnell. Yep. And they were talking a little bit about it. And and Mark was like, yeah, Kane looks so much more intense. He looks so much more focused. And I'm thinking to myself, Kane looked exactly the same. Now, I know Mark has his opinion, and I'll have my opinion, and that's all well and good. But, man, did we see two totally different things. I saw the same bland look on Kane's face that I've seen before. To me, he didn't look any more or less intense, and he just kind of stood there as Ray did all the talking. That was one of my first, uh, I'll say, concerns, because I'm just not sure... Kane doesn't look ultra confident to me out there for some reason. The first week against Brock, he did. The second week against Shelton, not so much. Third week, when we just saw him with Ray the other night, not, I, I just it's just not resonating. You know how you could just look at the, some guy's eyes and he does—they don't have to say a word. Remember looking at the Jake Roberts eyes? Yeah, of course. I mean, he was one he of the best of all time. He didn't have to say a word. But I'm just saying, this is a this is a an MMA badass. This is a shooter. This is a guy that ripped your arm out. This is a guy that bloodied brought Brock Lesnar worse than anybody else. I want to see a some type of look on his face, especially because he's out there because of what happened to Dominic weeks earlier. Now, here's my problem with the segment. Didn't we see Dominic earlier in the night? Yes, with Ray mm-hmm. and with Kane. So if we see Dominic and he's standing there and he's talking with his dad and with Kane, his godfather, and he's high-fiving them and he's, you know, shaking their hands and hugging them, how come he wasn't out there during the segment? How come Rey Mysterio is going out there and saying, hey, I'm doing this for Dominic and or we're doing this for Dominic and Dominic wants you to know that he appreciates you all and he loves you all? Like, where was Dominic out there? Now, I know what people are say, well, if Dominic was out there, they couldn't do the backstage thing with Brock. But why would Ray and Kane leave Dominic alone? And also, too, it kind of looked like Ray had egg in his face when they had the whole backstage segment when Paul Heyman's pretty much taunting Ray Mysterio about what they were doing. And Ray Mysterio had absolutely no clue or any idea. And everybody watching knew it had to be Dominic since Dominic wasn't out there with Kane and Ray. I just don't know why you would leave your... That's like a lion leaving their young yeah. out there amongst the hyenas. Or in Brock's case, uh, amongst the beasts. You know? And then, obviously, Brock is holding Dominic hostage. And then luring Kane and, and, uh, and Ray backstage. And then the good physicality on all of them. It's just a disconnect. Did we need to see Dominic early? I guess we did need to see him early. Otherwise, you'd wonder how he popped up later on. But in seeing him early, I'm wondering why he's not in the ring. It's just little things like that, Dave, where I say, I don't want my intelligence insulted. I'm willing to go with the flow, but you got to make sure you connect the dots with me personally as a fan. And you're saying insulting intelligence. That's where, like, Ray came in. Ray kind of looked like, come on, man. You, you, How do you not know that? You know, Brock's back there. Your son's not out there with you. Heyman's taunting you. It's got to be Dominic. 
And it just seemed like kind of odd that he didn't catch on to that until things got physical and it was way too late. Um, when it and comes, then if you if if you watch the reaction of Ray and Kane, like the, Dave, imagine that was your daughter Abby, and you're out there on the microphone and you're going blah 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 blah, and then Heyman and Brock pop up. The minute you saw Abby grabbed by Brock Lesnar, you would have bolted right out of that ring, right? Yeah. They didn't bolt. They waited around like three to five seconds, like looking around like, oh, my God, what's going on? What's going on? Dude, the minute I see Brock Lesnar with my kid in his, my kid in Brock Lesnar's hands, I'm out of the ring. I'm making a beeline. I'm sprinting. They didn't do that. I get it. It's pro wrestling. It's a little bit of Hollywood, sports entertainment, blah, blah, blah. But come on, man, connect your dots a little bit better. Uh, go ahead. I know. I was just going to say they really don't need the Rey Mysterio storyline here. If you think about it, they could sell this match for Thursday just based on the history that they had together in the UFC. I, I, I mean, I understand that they probably think they need Ray because Kane's not ready on the microphone. But I got to be honest with you, and we talk about it all the time, Bully. You know, you don't need much talking from Brock. He has Paul Heyman. Kane doesn't need to say much here. The proof's in the pudding. All he has to do is reference what took place in the UFC. And honest to God, I thought Kane did a, a tremendous job sitting here with us. When he said that about how you guys are creating, when I talked about I wasn't that hyped up about seeing him on that debut episode, and then you talked about how you didn't, he didn't, you didn't like those punches or the physicality with Shelton Benjamin, that one line where he's like, you guys are creating a monster here. That's all you need from Kane. He doesn't need to speak much here. I think that history alone would sell me on a match for Crown Jewel. Did the physicality backstage with Brock beating the crap out of Dominic Ray and Kane make you want to see this match anymore? I mean, it, it's always crazy seeing Brock get that physical, and Brock does a tremendous job of selling everything he does, especially in that department. I guess so. Sure. It's it's for me. It's more about what's going to happen here. You know, what is I, Kane going to do in the ring? That, that, that's what really interests me for Thursday. I honestly would have rather have seen all three. Of, I would have rather seen Dominic Ray and Kane Velasquez in the ring and Brock's music hit and interrupts and Brock come to the ring and Kane double-leg him and get him all over him again. I would have liked to have seen Kane get the upper hand. I think Kane could have used a little bit of comeuppance after the lackluster showing against Shelton. I just think Ray and Kane and Dominic, everybody looked a little foolish to me. I didn't get that Heyman and Brock looked smart. I got that Ray and Kane looked foolish. If you're there with your son earlier on, why are you going to the ring and speaking for your son? Dominic wasn't, Dominic's jaw wasn't wired shut where he couldn't do any of the talking. Dominic should have been out there. They should have given this segment a little bit more thought in my eyes. Here we go again, 11 p.m., and the battle begins. He kicks off the extra comforter. She grumbles and pulls it back up. They toss and turn. Covers go up, covers go down. It's the same every night. One is too hot, one is too cold. No one is happy. No one is getting optimal sleep. There will be no spooning tonight. But there's an answer for relationships that run hot and cold. The Pod by 8sleep. The pod is the first bed to combine dynamic temperature regulation with sleep tracking to ensure you both get a good night's sleep. That means you both can have it your own way. 
Each side of the bed is programmable and will respond in real time to keep your body at the optimal temperature for deep and restful sleep. No more battling over the covers, heater, or AC. The stats say it all. Customers who sleep on the pod fall asleep faster, toss and turn 25% less, have a 17% increase in periods of deep sleep, all in a crazy comfortable bed. Go to 8sleep.com news to order the pod. Right now you can get $150 off your pod and free shipping at 8sleep.com busted. That's 8sleep.com slash busted, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash busted. I want to get into the main event, actually how the show started and then how the show ended with Team Hogan and Team Flair. And I will say this, Bully, you talk about the biggest cheerleader for Crown Jewel and somebody who's done his best to try to sell you on Crown Jewel, that would be Ric Flair. Flair's going out there doing a phenomenal job. He's, his job is to sell this network special. His job is to sell this event. It's Hulk's job also, since they're the, the two main people speaking about it. They're trying. They're trying to get you invested. They're sprinkling, in, and I also think they're sprinkling in enough hints that you might possibly see some physicality with Hogan and Flair. That alone gets me, wants me, you know, uh, makes me want to watch. <laughs> Could you imagine Hulk Hogan giving, you know, Flair that big boot and Flair just zipping himself from coast to coast and getting <laughs> massive color for the most vicious big boot ever? <laughs> so, like, as he's running the ropes, he's taking the blade. Like, bah, bah, bah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Get, just gaffing himself. He used to do that let, in TNA. Lay it in, brother. I think, he used, I think Ric Flair was blading himself while he was going down the entrance ramp in TNA sometimes. Flair would get color like a stuck pig. Loved it. He'd just be a bloody mess. <laughs> it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you that, that he's doing a good job selling uh, selling this show. Uh, should be a fun tag, 10-man tag yeah. Yeah, at the very least. Um, I did like the uh, the six-man. It was a six-man, yeah, right? Yeah, it was that six ended, man. Uh, That ended SmackDown. I always like it when Cesaro's in there because he's such a great worker. Um, his... His uh, pop-up European uppercut oh. to me looks more vicious than Roman Superman punch. Look, it looks more legit and credible. You know, it's a similar move, but it just look, comes across so much more impactful. So I did like the match. I liked the physicality. I liked everything they did. But my one biggest problem with the match was that at the end, you see Roman Reigns. You see the the uber star, the former world champion, tag Ali yep. to give Ali the win, correct? Yes. And you see uh, the look on Ali's face like, oh, my God, I can't believe Roman Reigns just tagged me to give me the win. After Ali hits his 450, I would have loved to have seen Ali pop up and then there's Shorty G in the corner. I would have loved to see Ali give Shorty G the tag. Shorty hits his gimmick, and Shorty gets to win. It would have shown me continuity between the three guys working together that night. It's like Roman's big enough to give the tag to Ali, but Ali, but but Shorty G's just kind of selling on the floor. And I remember watching, and I'm like, man, here's Roman hitting his finish. Here's Ali hitting his finish. And then Ali gets the one, two, three, and okay, here comes Shorty G just kind of coming up now to celebrate with everybody. 
To me, you could have featured everybody. You could have gotten everybody over in that moment of time. It would have shown me these guys working together. They're all going to be on the same team. True. Come crown jewel, correct? Yes. So why not Why not Roman hit his big move, tag out to Ali? Ali hit, hits his big move, tag out to Shorty G. Shorty G hits his big move, you know? And obviously, Shorty G is dressing up like Spuds McKenzie for Halloween. Shorty G hits his big move, boom, and now he gets the one, two, three. That whole team working together for the victory. Uh, and you said the, dressing up like Spuds McKenzie for Halloween. Well, I, I mean, Spud Webb. Yeah, well, <laughs> or Spuds McKenzie or, or, Air, or Air Bud, I should say. Put them both together. Um, what's the deal with Shorty G? Are you digging? The, I mean, because a lot of people are, you know, it's supposed to be like, hey, you know, believe in who you are. But at the same time, they're really just making fun of his height. I mean, what what do you, what is your take on Shorty J? Well, he's standing next to Hulk Hogan. That's true. So it really doesn't matter. They they've now put something on that on him that they find entertaining. Uh, we'll dress him up like a basketball player. We'll call him Shorty G. I bet you it's going to get over to an extent. I could hear people chanting Shorty G. I could see them making T-shirts up that says "I'm with Shorty G." It probably has some amount of legs to it. Do I like it? Not necessarily. But it's more character than he's ever had before. And you know what? You kind of answered my question, Bully, when you said he's there standing with Hulk Hogan. I mean, here he is at the main event on SmackDown. He's in the big match at Crown Jewel. He's with Roman Reigns. He's with Hulk Hogan. I think that's the answer. I mean, obviously, it must be working in the eyes of the WWE because Chad Gable... Would never be in that position. Who is more over, Chad Gable in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament or Shorty G standing next to Hulk Hogan going into Saudi Arabia? Shorty G. I mean, there you go. Once you're sharing the ring with Hulk Hogan, once you're sharing the spotlight with Hulk Hogan, that's it. So they they, they repackaged him in a way that they like, they found entertaining. They gave him the name Shorty G. I guess at the end of the day, the message here is don't ever let your body type hold you back. If you're shoot too short, too heavy, you're not pretty enough. I guess that's the whole take on the on the the character. No matter what, no matter what physical um, um, limitations, limit. Thank you, Dave. Limitations you might have. Don't ever let that stop you. Just keep pushing ahead. And that's why I wanted to see Shorty G get the win. Ali didn't need it. Shorty G could have used it more than anybody else. And now the three of them are all standing there. They all hit their finish. Who did they hit the finish on, by the way? I don't even remember. It was Cesaro. I mean, and it, it Which does makes nothing. sense because Cesaro's it, not even in the match on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, so it doesn't hurt Cesaro at all. So if you took Roman Superman punch and you took the 450 by Ali, why couldn't you take something from Shorty G and get the one, two, three? Makes a he lot of sense. He would have been made in that moment, but what do I know? If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Finn Balor was a guest on WWE Backstage, and 
come, what, I think the second week of November, it's going to be on Tuesdays. But they've been playing it after SmackDown on Fridays, which I actually like. I like the fact that you get this instant reaction after SmackDown on Fox on Fridays. And we actually saw an interview with Roman Reigns that was pretty cool. I mean, the guy was still sweating from being in the main event match. But they actually had a sit-down interview with Finn Balor. And I thought it was pretty interesting. And what was more interesting is what he had to say. Everyone keeps talking about this, like, why the return to NXT? Why you go back to NXT? For me, Raw and SmackDown is like Hollywood. It's like the Avengers movies. It's easy to hide behind all the special effects and the bright lights and the smoke. NXT is like Broadway. There's nowhere to hide in NXT. Mm-hmm. And I need to test myself. I want to go back to being the real me. Let's just take a step back um, for a second. You know, that kick to Johnny Gargano's uh, head right there, I mean... I look at you, I, I feel a, a different sense in Finn Balor. I, I see a, a different look in Finn Balor's eyes. Do we see a, a different Finn Balor or is this just the old Finn Balor coming out? i say this is a real Finn Balor. You're a big fan of my work from before WWE, right? Uh, of course, man. I remember telling my students, um, check out this match right here. This guy right here, he's the future of the business. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, let's just say the prince is back. All right, interesting comments from Finn Balor talking about his return to NXT. And he said that, you know, Raw and SmackDown are like Hollywood. It's like an Avengers movie. A lot of, you know, a lot of special effects, a lot of pyro, a lot of lighting, a lot of smoke. You know, you can kind of get lost in it and you can kind of hide in it. NXT is like Broadway. It's raw. It's in your face. No place to hide. I thought that was interesting. And, of course, he makes reference to Prince Devitt who he was before coming to the WWE, leader of the Bullet Club in New Japan. So pretty interesting sit-down with Finn Balor, I thought, on WWE Backstage, Bully. Um, His first set of comments really resonated with me about going back to NXT. I don't have a problem with going back to NXT, and I don't think it's a step backwards. I think it's a lateral move now within the WWE. If anybody ever asked me right now, at this stage of my career, or even 10 years ago, hey, where would you love to perform? I would tell them the Elks Lodge in Queens, New York, or the ECW Arena in uh, Philadelphia for the same exact reasons that Finn just mentioned. In those buildings, everything is completely stripped away. It's you, your art, the middle of that ring, and the fans. And you better be able to do it without all those smoke and mirrors and those bright lights and those quick cuts and all the other things that come with a Raw or a SmackDown. I love his answer because I think you're going to be able to see the true Finn Balor shine once again in NXT. You're going to see the true Prince Devitt shine in NXT. If you're going to get lost in the shuffle in the main roster... Screw that. Head on over to Wednesday nights and shine and be involved and do good things, especially when there's a guy running the place that is going to give you, at the very least, 50% more leeway than you have on the main roster. At the very least, Dave. He's going to tell Hunter and and Road Dogg and Shawn Michaels and everybody down there is going to go, Finn, go be Finn. Let the talent be talented. So I'm excited to see him back there. And he's right. It is like Broadway. Just You're just up there. Perform. You know what you got to do in NXT to win the people over? 
you got to get over. They can get you over on the main roster. They can put these packages together. They can give you a cool entrance. They can give you pyro. They can give you lighting. They can jazz you up to basically tell the people, wow, this guy's a big star. NXT, it's just you and those people. You better get your ass over, and I think Finn will. And, you know, a couple of things. First of all, we talked about an advantage that NXT had, Bully, is that they could have wrestlers from the main roster go to NXT. Obviously, Finn started with NXT, went to the main roster, was on the main roster for a while, first ever Universal Champion, and now we see him back on NXT. Never really used him the correct way. I mean, would I be fair in saying that the main roster never used Finn the right way, especially they never use Finn the right way like NXT did. That's a hard comment for me to get behind, Dave, because they made Finn Balor the first universal champion. So you're going to tell me that they didn't have big plans for him? I mean, the injury is what sidetracked him. The injury is what put him on the back True. burner. Now, when he came back, I don't think they, they ran with him as much as they could. I like the stuff with the demon. Um, I think they could have taken much more advantage of the Bullet Club situation, not necessarily call it the Bullet Club because they couldn't, but I would love to see those guys together as a faction. I'd love to see Finn, AJ, Gallows, and Anderson together. I'd love to see them do the WWE's version of the Bullet Club, although that's a real double-edged sword because you got the WWE's version of Matt Hardy, and look what happened with that. Well, I mean, in in essence, that's what you're getting with the OC right now. That's kind of the WWE version of the Bullet Club. I I guess maybe with with Finn there, I would have had higher hopes for the situation. Hey, maybe Gallows and Anderson split and go to NXT with Finn. Maybe. If they're not. I mean, I know they're attached to AJ's hip which is totally fine. And AJ, AJ and uh, the, the OC is the perfect opportunity for the WWE to bring six-man championships into the WWE because those six-man championships can be defended on television every single week. Like the WWE should have a TV champion and they should have six-man champions because it gives you an opportunity to truly utilize your roster. Like the IC belt and the US belt to me, they don't mean anything. They haven't meant anything to me in a long time. The last time I cared about the, the United States Championship was when John Cena was defending it on a weekly basis and making guys. He was making the championship and he was making guys, i.e. Kevin Owens on his first night there. You give me the OC as your six-man champions, they could work with three guys every single week. You give me a TV champ. You give me Cesaro as your TV champion, a workhorse that could go out there and says, I work every single week on TV and I will beat you every single week within a 15 minute time frame for a, 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 a TV championship match. I'm buying into that stuff. I don't know about you. What's your take? No, I agree with you. And, and, and I especially agree with you when it comes to the United States championship and the intercontinental championship. And I agree with you what you said about John Cena. I wasn't sure what they were going to do with that title when he got it, but, man, you're right. He made everybody shine each week on Monday Night Raw because he had that open challenge every week where, hey, whoever thinks they can take this, come on down. Let's have a match. And when you're having a match with John Cena, you talk about getting a rub. You got that rub from being in a ring with somebody like John Cena. Now, what they did after that, 
completely, who knows. But for a time period, that title meant something, and I don't think it has meant anything since then. But like what you said, you could really do something special here right now. I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on it, but do you look at Finn Balor now being kind of like the top dog on NXT every Wednesday? How could he not be? He's the biggest star. He wrestled at WrestleMania. Anybody else on that NXT roster wrestle at WrestleMania? No. That, that By default, he's the biggest star. He's the biggest moneymaker. He's the biggest name. More people know Finn Balor's name around the world than, than anybody else on that roster. Finn Balor's a New Japan guy who uh, started the Bullet Club. Finn Balor is a U- former Universal Champion. And oh, by the way, he's got this really cool side gimmick called the Demon. Absolutely, he's the he's without a doubt the biggest fish in that pond. And getting back to that championship for a second, you know, there's an old school, um, I, I believe the word is ideology or methodology within wrestling where the 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 champion makes the belt or the belt makes the champion. Right now, I don't see the belt making AJ, and I don't see AJ making the belt. I don't see Shinsuke making the belt or the belt making Shinsuke. To me, they are as close to props as I've ever seen those championships be. And it's kind of disheartening for me to say this, and I know you're going to understand, Dave. That IC belt meant a lot to us as kids. Of course. Sometimes it meant more than the world championship. But it meant it, you knew whoever held that intercontinental championship was the next guy. When that U.S. championship was with the NWA, you knew whoever held that U.S. championship was the next guy. You're right. It's almost like when you have the title now, it's a, it's a demotion. You know, it, like, I bet you could go up to... I bet you can go five out of ten WWE fans. If you ask them right now, who's the U.S. champion and who's the Intercontinental champion? I bet you probably half of them would probably not know. Why would they? What's special about AJ holding that United States championship? What's special about Nakamura holding that Intercontinental championship? Most of the pay-per-views, Nakamura is not even on the show. So why would those titles mean anything right now? Yeah. I've gone on record and stated this before. Those championships really don't interest me at all. And the only reason you get a uh, reaction when those belts change hands is because a live crowd is getting to see a championship change hands. Uh, The TV championship for the WWE, I think, would be a great idea because nobody has more TV wrestling every single week than the WWE and I could see a guy like Cesaro and listen I'm not trying to make this guy's life more difficult or give him any harder of a schedule than he has I can see Cesaro defending that championship on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays man does that and, and if you don't even if you don't want to call it the TV championship you know what you call it Call it the Iron Man Championship. Whatever you want to. I mean, Kari Sane and Oscar are defending their their women's tag team championship Wednesday. So obviously that title could be defended on all the three shows. So why not do that with an actual television champion? Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app.
They're also talking about the anniversary of the man, Becky Lynch, since she made that proclamation that she is the man. They talked a lot about that. And on that show, Booker T was kind of breaking down the year that was. And I thought he had some interesting things to say about Becky and her rise to the top. I mean, some people um, in the business, they wait around uh, for something to happen for them. And then you got some people that Creative just go out there. Creative has nothing and, for you. Exactly. Just make it happen. Yeah. And that's what Becky has done. She didn't wait on the writers to write something for her. She said, I'm going to go out here and give the fans exactly what they want. I'm going to give them the Becky Lynch that I want them to see. And, yes. and, and, and like you said, Christian, you know, when you're 99%, you keep your mouth shut. But when you 100%, you're willing to get fired. You speak up 100% of the time. And... That's what Becky has done, man. And she's speaking very loud right now. She is truly the man. Interesting comments from Booker because it kind of goes back to the things and the conversations that we had about Seth Rollins, Bully. And you would yell at me about, like, you know, hey, this is creative's fault, not Seth's fault. But at the same time, here's Booker T, Hall of Famer, saying that Becky didn't wait around for the writers. First of all, I find it interesting he said this on the WWE product. He said that Becky wasn't waiting around for the writers to write something. She spoke up and she stepped up and become probably the most over wrestler on the roster right now. What do you think about Booker T's comments there? Well, she didn't wait around for the writers to write. She just waited around for the write from Nia Jax. Mm. How's that? What makes you think that the Becky situation is any different than anybody else's situation? You think Becky? You think Becky is stone cold Steve Austin, and, and and that she went out there and she hit a line that resonated with the universe so much that they were forced to run with it the next day. Well, let's break it down, bull, because you and break I, it down. you and I have been on the air during this whole transformation of Becky Lynch. She got the right hand from Nia Jax, correct? Yes. So also, if I remember correctly, the WWE, and we had plenty of conversations about this, the WWE was pushing for Charlotte to be the face in this situation and Becky to be the heel. And you and I would scream to the rafters about how it should be the other way around because everybody was cheering for Becky and booing Charlotte, but yet they still continued to push that story. Then we had what we had at the Rumble where it was a bit confusing. She should not have been at the Rumble. Also, she tapped out to Asuka. And then we had what we had at WrestleMania 35 where clearly Ronda Rousey's shoulder was up at three and she should not have been pinned. It seems like when they go back to all this, they kind of forget some of the old facts of what had happened and also the whole story of what was taking place. Now, did the writers get this wrong? I believe they did. But there were writers, and this all kind of got jump-started. And I'm not taking anything away from Becky. I think we all know that Becky is super talented and deserves to be in the spot that she's in. But it really started with that right from Nia Jax. From what I know of the WWE, and this is going back to the, to the last time I was there, this has nothing to do with Attitude Era because we're talking about a much different climate. Nobody is able to go into those off creative offices or sit one-on-one -on -one with Vince and convince them that they need to go in a different direction. I believe what happened 
with Becky. You brought up the Charlotte-Becky match. Yes, the people wanted Becky, without a doubt. But I don't believe that that one night changed everybody's minds. I believe it was the right hand from Nia Jax that put Becky on a different trajectory within the WWE. Booker is saying that he appreciates Becky fighting for herself. Becky is not fighting for herself the same way Booker fought for himself or anybody else from Booker's generation like myself fought for ourselves. We truly fought. We went in there and we stuck up for ourselves. But this is only after we were allowed to get over on our own. How come Booker and Jericho are like one of the only two guys to truly, truly get over on their own from WCW? Because they went out there and they took it. Eddie and Chris to an extent, but Booker and Chris, in in my eyes from WCW, more than anybody else. Would you agree or disagree? I agree completely. Because they went out there and they got themselves over. Thus, creator was forced to write for them. I don't think... Anybody in the WWE, whether that's Becky, Roman, Charlotte, or Seth, is going in there and saying, we need to do this with me. This is what needs to happen. I believe that their voices are allowed to be heard, just like everybody else's voices. I've seen Vince McMahon listen to people and give people the time of day that you would never, ever think would get an audience with Vince McMahon. He has the most open, wide open policy, door policy of anybody in the WWE. So can people voice their opinions? Absolutely. Is he going to go in those directions? Probably not. What happened with Becky is the same thing that happened with Daniel Bryan. It was the universe that changed the minds of creative. They couldn't fight it with Daniel Bryan and let's not fight it with Becky Lynch. But as far as her fighting for herself, if she fought for herself, she fought for herself in the ring, getting herself over. And this is why I'll go back to this moment in time, Dave. And I don't think any of us can say for sure what would have happened. But if Nair's fist does not connect with Becky's face, where are we right now? I think we would probably see Charlotte in the position Becky is in. Am I wrong saying that? Because that was their because that was their intention from the beginning. Their intention was to make Charlotte the big face going into WrestleMania, not Becky. As a matter Based of fact, on- probably if they from their original plans, it was supposed to be Charlotte and Ronda as the main event at WrestleMania 35. I and mean, who knows? Maybe Becky wasn't even going to be a part of it. When they did the, when they split the rosters in 2000, I don't know if it was 2015 or 16, I remember having a conversation with Road Dog, and this was when Road Dog was the head writer of SmackDown. He was so excited to have Becky Lynch on SmackDown. He's like, Bubba, I cannot wait to work with this girl. I have so much good stuff in, uh, in store for her. I have so many great plans, blah, blah, blah. And the conversation ended with, and and I don't want to put words in his mouth, with him basically saying, I don't know why they're not utilizing her a lot more. It was seen back then that she was having problems from a creative point of view with creative not giving her what many believe that she had earned or deserved. 
I don't know if what happens if that right hand from Naya never happens. I do know that it's an iconic moment that will live forever. And you can't fight things like that. Those are moments that get so over, i.e. Austin 316, that you might as well run with. I understand what Booker's saying, but what Booker's saying, I believe, comes more from 20, 30 years ago mentality than what actually goes on today. And and I can see him thinking that because Bully, like, if you're seeing the direct, creatively, the, the direction that they were going in with Becky and then there was the change, he's probably thinking, judging from his own personal experiences in the WWE, that she must have kicked that wall, that door down of opportunity and said, you know what, I'm not doing it this way, I'm doing it my way. Nope, ain't happening. Yeah. But you can, ain't happening. But you can understand Booker thinking that way based on what you said and probably his own personal experiences in the WWE. Absolutely. And, and guys like him or myself or anybody from that time, that's what happened. There have been, hey, listen, Mark came on the show the other day, and didn't he say to you, you know, like um, – he said, Bully's one of those guys who was going to go out and do it his way no matter what and apologize afterwards because he knew it would get over? Yes. Okay, that was on last week's show. That's the world that Booker comes from. If you know something is right and you know you're going to get it over, you roll the dice and you go out there and you, and you just do it. I don't believe that goes on anymore. I, because up until three years ago i saw it firsthand and knowing how the wwe likes to control things i can't see that happening with roman and becky and charlotte and seth do those four talents have more leeway than others yes but if on a scale of one to ten everybody has a leeway of a two maybe those others have a leeway or a four or five that's not the same leeway as the ten that steve or rock or hunter or taker had or Chris, or Booker, or the Dudleys. Well, you just mentioned Roman and Becky. Roman and Becky were asked those questions in that Variety article that I referred to last week, and Variety was getting in deep about creative because of Seth Rollins currently and because of the Hell in a Cell. And Becky, what did Becky say? Becky said, if you want to be entertained, check me out on social media. You know, I, I really do think that you're 100% right. I get on Seth Rollins because I'm not believing in what he's saying. But from what you're telling me and what you've been shouting out since I've been bitching and complaining about Seth Rollins since day one is that you can't blame Seth. You have to blame creative. When you sit around with your fellow wrestlers and these talents and having conversations with Seth or, 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 or Becky or anybody, when you hear them talk about wrestling and you hear their ideas and you go, wow, that's a really good idea. That would really work. You start to get into the, get into the creative mind of said individual. So when you know what somebody's talking about on a bus ride, on a car ride, in the locker room, just hanging out. When you know how creative somebody can be and how much they understand and get it, then you see what you see from them on TV. Mm-hmm. Personally, I have nothing else to, I have no other way but to think this is what creative wants them to do and they have to go out and do it. Because when you sign your name on that dotted line, you're basically there to do what the wwe wants you to do it's not like it was years ago yes moxley 
Ambrose would go in and he would talk to Vince. And you can talk to Vince until you're blue in the face. Not that he's not listening. He really, really, really is listening. Whether it happens or not. Dave, you want to hear a quick story? I think I might have told you this once before. Really long story short. The night that uh, Bubba, Devon, Dreamer, and Rhino faced the Wyatt family in the Philly street fight on Monday Night Raw. Do you remember that? Yes. From like three years ago? Mm -hmm. Pretty hot match. Pretty hot. You know, good good little angle. Good little piece of business. Had the, blew the roof off the place. I went to Vince earlier in the night. I said, Vince, it's time for the Dudleys to turn heel. After Dreamer loses this match for the Dudleys, me and Devon turn on him in Philadelphia. You know what the answer was? What? He didn't think Dreamer had enough emotional investment and was over enough for us to turn on him. In Philly. Correct. How do you fight that battle? You can't. And, and, and in a way, I understood where Vince was coming from. Vince was looking at it isolated, like, yeah, Bubba, in Philly, he's over. But he's really not that over to most of the WWE universe. I under, now understand that this is an argument I cannot win. Because in Vince's eyes, Dreamer wasn't that over. It doesn't matter that I'm in the trenches and I know that Tommy is one of the most loved baby faces. Hey, in the WWE, Tommy didn't knock him dead. Tommy wasn't like super over in the WWE. And if you take away the ECW version of WWE, Tommy really didn't do that much. It's true. Like, like, this is, you know I love, love Tommy, but like, we're talking business here, calling a spade a spade. But to tell me that Tommy's just not that over, I'm trying to give you a glimpse into how certain people think there. This was Vince's perception of a certain character. I knew it would work. Tommy knew it would work. I knew it would work in Philly, and thus, if it worked in Philly, it would work to all the people watching at home. I couldn't win the battle, though. As a matter of fact, when I walked out of the ring, when I walked out of the room, I even screamed at the top of my lungs. I said, I said the F word. And he looked at me and he goes, ha ha, what was that for? I said, because I couldn't close you. And I thought I'd be able to close you on this one. He just wasn't seeing it my way. And you're never going to make him. And my point is, I'm sure that people like Seth are going in there and going, boss, I can't be coming out here smiling and saying it's great to be here in Denver, Colorado, when this fiend guy just dragged me underneath a ring and tried to eat my uh, liver with uh, a nice Chianti and some fava beans. Nope, Seth, this is the way I want you to be. This is how I want you to represent the company. This is what I want you to do. Okay. You can't fight it. Do I agree with you where Seth's emotion is not resonating with you because of the things that he has to say and has to, how he has to say them? Yes, I will agree all day long. But for, you, but for anybody to say, well, Seth needs to try harder. He needs to fight harder. Dude, there's only so hard you can fight. Your name's not John Cena. You can't walk into that office and go, this is the way I see it, and this is the way we're doing it. Cena's got that leverage. But remember what I told you. There will never, never be another, another John Cena. Or Rock or Austin yeah. or any of those guys. And that's the reason why. 
Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.